So I wanted to tell you, that wanted to talk to you this morning about the power of God for everyone. And so we'll start with, I brought you a little video. Uh-huh. And you came tonight and you asked for what? For pain for my ear to get here again. And so, what happened? Tell us what happened after that. <laughs> I have no idea. It just, uh, I just start to hear your voice. And uh, I don't know how. <laughs> just Lord knows. Um, <laughs> it is amazing, isn't it? You've never heard in that ear before. No, no, I've heard And you've been like prayed that. before before. You've been prayed for before? A lot of, a bunch of times. A lot of times. A lot of times, yes. But um, nothing happened until now. Until now. Until now. And so what do we say? Pray Jesus! Thank you, Lord. Last year, I was pregnant. And then I discovered my baby could be uh, blind or deaf. But uh, Kim prayed for me and God made a miracle. And today Miriam is here to testimony this. He's perfect, completely perfect and healthy. And smart and beautiful. <laughs> yes, all those things. Last year I visited this church. And I prayed for this woman, and she's going to tell the testimony.
That just happened two weeks ago. That boy could not walk at all. He had to drag himself on those metal crutches. And I was praying for pastors in the room, and the Holy Spirit dropped in the room, and he started trying to get up out of his seat. And so I went over, and we prayed for him once, and he started to stand up, but he still couldn't couldn't walk. I have a 15-minute video. It took 15 minutes for him to get to that place where he started jumping up and down. The Holy Spirit just came on him, and he was completely healed. And when we left, he didn't need his crutches, and as you could see, he could jump and he could walk. I see all kinds of miracles all over the world. When I was in London, I was uh, in a meeting just not too much different than this, except it was a Nigerian church in London, and I felt a holy, the Holy Spirit say, I want to heal someone's heart condition. I got up and I asked, if there was, is there a heart condition in the room? There was one young man who was 26 years old, and he got up and he came out. Laid hands on him, nothing seemed to happen, prophesied over him, it seemed like nothing happened, and he was despairing of life. He could barely walk across the platform without breathing heavy. He said he had been diagnosed with an enlarged heart, and he was going to have to have open heart surgery, and they just didn't know if he was going to actually have any kind of life. When I went home, Mike and I went home, and three weeks later, I got a note from the pastor, and the pastor said, Kim, have you seen Facebook? And he sent me a little little link, and I went to to the Facebook book. I opened up the link, and there was this young man's Facebook page, and on there was a testimony from him about how he had despaired of life. He thought about taking his life. He thought his life was completely over, and um, that the devil had stolen his life, that he was going to have to have open-heart surgery, and all this on and on it went. And next to it was a little tiny video clip of me praying over him, in that little Nigerian church. And then next to that was a doctor's report. He'd gone back into the doctor, had an MRI, and guess what? Completely normal. They discharged him from all medical care. I'm telling you that God is still moving in healing, and he's moving in power, and he's moving in wonders. What do I do? I travel around the world, and I see God moving in miracle signs and wonders. I prophesy over churches, I prophesy over people. I take teams of people and I I see kids as young as 13 laying hands on the sick and them recovering, ears popping open, blind eyes seeing. I have put my hand on people's necks and I've had tumors disappear underneath my hands. It is amazing what God is doing. God's power is certainly for today. And I've been a minister for 25 years. I have a doctorate, I have a master's degree, I have all these kinds of things. But you know what? It didn't start out that way. And as a matter of fact, the most interesting thing is, because Pastor John asked me to preach here today, is that it started right here, and most of you don't even know that. In March 1994, I was invited to a women's retreat out of Sunrise Christian Fellowship to come and give my testimony about a miracle God had done in my life. And I was an ordinary woman, and I was an ordinary mom of three small children. I worked at the hospital. I worked at Simi Valley Hospital in labor and delivery unit. I had no dream of being a minister. Never was a dream of mine. As a matter of fact, I grew up in a church that said that we couldn't minister. Women couldn't be preachers. Women couldn't be ministers. And so it was never even on my, on my mind. It was never something that I, I looked for or dreamed of. But when I got married and when we were young, Mike and I were 21 and 22 years old, and I met Mike after a, 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 I met Mike on a blind date. <laughs> and then I got pregnant, and then we got married. Mike was not a Christian at the time. I was a Christian, but I was far from the Lord, and I was not following him. I had no inkling 
that I had a call in my life. And so we got married, and three years after we were, after we'd gotten married, it was like a, I don't know, it was like we'd died and gone to hell. It was hard. Mike, I discovered that Mike was an alcoholic and a drug addict. I hadn't known it because didn't have time, didn't take the time to know it. Wasn't walking with the Lord. And after three and a half years, I couldn't take it anymore. And so I left and I filed for a divorce with my two little girls. And we were separated almost six months. And three weeks before my divorce was final, I was sitting in my room, in my apartment room. And I heard the audible voice of God. I didn't even know God could speak. I knew he spoke through his word. And I had read some of my Bible, but I had never even read my Bible all the way through. But God said to me, if you'll go home, I'll take care of everything. And I was afraid. I said, I was mad. I said, do you understand what you're saying to me? Do you have any idea what it's been like? And I don't think there's been any change. And God didn't say anything more because you know what? He won't argue with us. He's smart that way. So I knew I had a choice to make, and so I made the decision. I, I reconciled with Mike, and I'd like to tell you that, bam, quick as a fiddle, you know, it was over and done, but it wasn't. When I went home, four more years, four more years of drugs and alcohol in my household. It was very difficult. I didn't know if I could do it. I went in the strength of that word of the Lord for four years, and at the end of that four years, I said, I can't do this anymore, God. I, I don't know. I must be crazy. I must not have really heard you. And the night before Thanksgiving, you know, those of you who come from families where there's alcoholics in your house or drug addicts in your house, for some reason, the holidays are the worst. And the night before Thanksgiving, I was up all night crying because he was out all night drinking with his friends. And I was pounding the floor, and by this time now, I have three small children. And I'm wondering how I'm going to do it. How am I going to take care of these three small kids by myself? I was 25 years old. I was up all night pounding the floor, crying out to God. And when I got up in the morning, I was completely numb. And I think some of you know what I'm talking about. It's that dangerous place where you can't cry anymore. You can't scream anymore. You can't sulk anymore. You can't beg anymore. It's just over. You're done. I'm leaving. And he came in that morning and he said, he said, I know you're about to leave me. It was in the morning. I was ready to go to my parents. But I'm asking you to stay because something has happened. And I literally, no lie, said, whatever, heard it before, going to my mom's. And so I went to my mom's and he did come with me. And a couple weeks later, I didn't leave, and I, but I was mad. And uh, we sat down at the table and he told me a story. And he said that morning on the way home after he'd been drinking all night long that the presence of the Lord filled the car. And he heard a voice inside of him, and he knew it was Jesus saying, if you don't give your, if you don't give your life into my hands, you'll lose everything you've ever loved, and I won't bring it back. So in that moment, he gave his life to Jesus, and in that moment, he was delivered from all of his drugs and alcohol, and he's never had a problem since. My husband is a wonderful man of God. And so we started, we started the healing process. And we had just moved here out here to Moore Park. I have to watch the time because I have so much to say to you. 
we just moved out here from Moore Park, and, um, and we started to go to a little church, and that little church was at Chuck E. Cheese, and there was 300 people, and that little church was called Sunrise Christian Fellowship. For those of you who don't normally go to this church and you haven't been here for very long, you would know that Sunrise is actually Antioch, but the name has been changed. And so I went to that little church, and it was there that I started. we started to heal as a family. We started to come up in the things of the Lord, actually started to read my Bible. And, um, and one day, the pastor had gotten wind of this miracle that God had done in our lives. And so I was asked to come and give my testimony at a women's retreat. And I can't stress to you enough that I was simply the mom from Moore Park. I was 34 years old. I was settled in my nursing career, made good money too. Can I just tell you sometimes those things? <laughs> and I went to that women's retreat. I'd never been to one before, and I gave my testimony. And when I got done, a young girl about 20 years old came up to me. Now see, in those days, we were a very seeker-sensitive church, which means that we didn't really move in the Holy Spirit during services. And so really, I was very comfortable there because it was just like my Baptist church where I grew up. And so I was a Baptist girl in a Pentecostal church. I had no idea what it meant to be four square. I know what it means now. It means that there's a Pentecostal theology here, and if you don't know what that means, then we can talk about that after service, and I can tell you all about the revival history and the move of the Holy Spirit and Amy Semple, who I love. And so <clears throat> I was in this little church, and I went to this retreat, and I gave my testimony, and this girl, 20 years old, came up to me, and she said, well, Kim, I can't, this must not be the Lord. And I said, what? And she said, well, I feel like, now mind you, I had not heard the voice of the Lord since that one moment when God called me to go home. And he said, she said, well, she said, well, I felt like the Lord said for me to lay hands on you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Whatever that was. Okay. And I said, well, I don't know, is that the tongues thing? <laughs> That's the only thing I knew about it. And she said, well, yeah, it has that in it, you know, and I, I you know, I thought that was from the devil. And so I said, well, you can try. And so she laid her hands on me, and I had a radical baptism with the Holy Spirit. I started to black out. I ended up sitting in a chair. I didn't speak in tongues right away, but I was sobbing, snot everywhere. And then until I just could get myself together enough to run back to my room. And then when I ran back to my room, it was like the floodgates of heaven opened. And I started hearing the voice of the Lord. And he started telling me what he wanted to do with my life. And he told this little mom from Moore Park. Who had so many regrets who had done so many things in her life that really were not worthy of a call of God. So I'm going to take you around the world to preach and speak and prophesy. And the only reason I believed him was because he had first spoken to me and done the miracle in my marriage. And I, for weeks, walked around and said, how, how can this possibly be? How can this possibly be? You know the things that I've done. You know the ways that I've spent my time. You know the thoughts that I've had. You, you know what I've put my hand to. But if you want to use my life, God, here I am, send me. 
And it all started here at this church called Antioch. When I was just an ordinary girl and still am. And most of the time, my close friends can tell you, I'm getting, well, I'll be getting ready for a big trip. Like in October, I'm going to be speaking in a stadium to 20,000 women. And I'll tell you, it's daunting. Because on the inside, I'm still just the mom from Moorpark. I'm still just an ordinary girl. But I have an extraordinary God. And so it began, I started with what was in my hand. You know, some of you here, you're not going to be going around the world. You, d- you don't even want to, much less call do. <laughs> I don't know how to put that. <laughs> but it starts with what's in your hand. What was in my hand was that I was a mom for Moore Park, and so I started in children's ministry. It didn't go great. I'm a little intense for children. <laughs> so I would bring my husband along, and he would... And he would help, and then it went from children's to women's ministry, and then to the church council, and then people started recognizing there was a leadership gift, and, and that's how it goes. And then in 2000, 2011, I had a dream from God, and he said he was sending me back to school. And all of that time, I had only preached in my local church, and I really had only preached about 30 times in my entire life up until that point. And um, he sent me to school to get my doctorate, and I met, I met global healing evangelists and apostles and prophets, and um, he began to connect me with them, and suddenly the door opened, and I have found myself in the last six years going around the world and preaching and speaking and prophesying the word of the Lord. God fulfills his word. And so the power of God is for everyone, and I want to tell you how I know. We've had a whole year of teaching about the book of Acts, and if the, if the church really, really understood what God wanted, we would be doing the book of Acts. Isn't that right? We've been given the Holy Spirit, the power of God, to give witness. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in all Judea and Sumeria and the ends of the earth. Well, that's nice, Dr. Kim. What does witness mean? Well, I'm so glad you asked me because I have an answer for you. It's a demonstration of the power of God and the kingdom. And it means healing and salvation and prophecy and miracles and signs and wonders. You see, in Matthew chapter 11, there's a very interesting story. When John the Baptist, you know him? John the Baptist, who was sent to prepare the way of the Lord. You know, he has, he has baptized Jesus, saw the dove come down and baptized Jesus. He's the one that said, he's the one. He's the one that's going to save Israel. And he's the one that I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. And yet John is in prison. And he sends disciples to Jesus. And he sends the disciples to Jesus to say this. Are you the one who is coming or should we wait for another? Because, you know, for why is it that the church is always found waiting are you the one or are we to wait for another? And Jesus gives a witness of himself. In Matthew eleven four 4 to 6, he says, Go and tell John, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the dead are raised, the gospel is preached to the poor. Oh, yeah, he's the one. You see, what he's doing is he's telling them that I, Luke 4, 
18 to 21 in Isaiah 61, 1, where he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to preach the good news, to proclaim the liberty of the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. He's saying that Isaiah 29, 18, in that day the deaf shall hear and the blind shall see. He's saying Isaiah 35, then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped and the lame will leap like a deer, leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb will sing. He's saying... These things have been fulfilled in me. And this is the witness and the testimony of Jesus. And it's for everyone in this age. He said, we are to be witnesses. And then he tells us, what does the witness look like? And then he says, it's for everyone in this age. And how do I know that? Well, because Isaiah 59 talks about the new covenant, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, 59, 19 to 21. He says, the gifts of the Spirit and the words of the mouth are going to be in us. And in our children, our children's children for eternity. Do you know what that means? That means for generation to generation to generation to generation. It means it doesn't stop. That means it's for you and it's for me. And listen, I go places all the time and I hear, oh, God is about to move in the next generation. Oh, that's nice. That sort of leaves me out because, you know, I'm getting old now. (laughs) And let me tell you, I feel like I just got started. Okay. Nobody, I'm not ready to pass my baton on yet, but I am ready to bring you up and let you go with me. But a generation is not an age group, okay? He is about to move among the women. He is about to move around among the college age. He is about to move among the children. Even the littlest children are about, to have, are about to have dreams and visions. And so if they come to you, parents, and they tell you, I dreamed this, you better listen. And you better start thinking about how do I interpret that dream so that I know what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to my child. But you see, an age group, I mean, a generation is not really an age group. It's an era of time. So when he says God is about to move in this generation among the next generation, that's us. It doesn't matter if you're 90. I was, just in, I was just in Brazil not too long ago. I gave an altar call, and there was a boy about eight years old walking up the aisle to receive salvation. He's sobbing his guts out, and right behind him is a woman about 95. She could barely walk, and she's hobbling on her cane, and people had to help her and hold her two elbows getting saved because it's not an age group. It's an era of time. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Acts 2, 38 and 39, Peter declared when he said, the Holy Spirit has been, this is that. You know, they'd had Pentecost. The Holy Spirit had been poured out. Signs and wonders and Peter stands up full of the Holy Spirit and he's giving the prophetic interpretation and application of the revelation that had come when the Holy Spirit was poured out and we had the sign and the wonder. You know, the wind and the tongues and the fire, the theophany. And he says, this is, this is that. This is what, this is the fulfillment of Joel. Where he said, I'm going to pour out my spirit in those days. And my young men, my old men, my young women, my old men, women, they're going to dream dreams and they're going to prophesy. But then he says in 38 and 39, and this promise is for you, your children, and all those who are far off whom your Lord will call. Have you been called by the Lord to come to Jesus? Yes. And so we are anointed by the Holy Spirit, with power to be witnesses. And that witness is not just the word of your testimony, which is the spirit of prophecy, you know. 
know what that really means? That means that when I tell you about what Jesus has done in my life, that means he can do that for you. I am prophesying over your life that Jesus has done this for me and he's no respecter of persons, so he can also do this for you. So it doesn't, listen, you don't have to put together some finely tuned message. You don't have to put together all the scriptures that go with it. You just need to tell your story. You need to open your mouth and you need to tell someone your story and say, this is what Jesus did for me and guess what? He can do it for you too. Let me pray for you right now. We were anointed by the Spirit to be witnesses, and we are commissioned by Jesus to give this witness. Listen, the Great Commission is not for just leaders. It's for every person in the body of Christ. I can't tell you how many people all over the world that have come to me and say to me, Pastor Kim, Dr. Kim, whatever they want to call me, Doctora, I'm in Brazil a lot. They come to me and they say, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what my call is. And I say, you start with a great commission. You know what that is? Listen, go into all the world and baptize disciples in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them everything that I have taught you. What did he teach the disciples? You know, we think about that sometimes and we think about that only as Bible scripture, but Jesus taught the disciples how to heal, cast out demons, how to fast, how to pray, how to prophesy. He taught them about the Holy Spirit. He taught them about the kingdom of God. And he said, when you go into the towns, when you go into the highways and byways, heal the sick, cast out demons, and then tell them what? that the kingdom of God has come near. So I'm going to give you your calling this morning. Are you ready? Mark 16, 15 to 18. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Those who believe will be saved and those who do not believe. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. In my name you will cast out demons. You will speak with new and other tongues, my paraphrase. You will walk in supernatural protection. It says, I think it says when you pick up snakes, if you drink deadly poison, it will not hurt you. But you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. This is the call that's on your life, people of God. We have for a year talked about the book of Acts. It's not a time to wait. I don't know what we're waiting for. You know, I think we're waiting for the ground to shake underneath us and for, for, you know, gold dust. Maybe you're waiting for the gold dust to fall out of the sky. I know that I have actually seen that, by the way. You know, maybe you're waiting to get a gold tooth. I've heard about that. I've never seen that one. Um, maybe you're waiting to, you know, shake and jerk and fall out under the power of God. I don't know what you're waiting for, but I'm telling you, you don't have to wait. It's already been done. The minute you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, he stands ready to fill you and baptize you with power and the Holy Spirit so that you can go out and preach the gospel to all the world and so that you can lay hands on the sick and see them recover, cast out demons and speak with new and other tongues and prophesy. This is the call that is on your life. We don't have to wait for it anymore. We just need to go and do it. And so what are we gonna do, Antioch Church? And those of you who are visiting, you're not here by mistake either. What are you gonna do? What are we gonna do about the heroin epidemic in our schools right in our city? What are we gonna do about the homeless issues right here in our city what are we going to do about the crime what are we going to do about the identity gender fight the gender identity fight what are we going to do about the agenda that has come against our children and all the things that have come against the old time religion righteousness and holiness it's not just out there it's also in here 
I go to churches now where repentance is a dirty word. Where there are, there are young people who are, have an air in their theology and they are believing hyper grace, meaning, and so that anytime you speak on holiness issues, they say to you, oh, you're just being religious. Oh, really? Okay. Well, you know, God has commands. Be ye holy, for he is holy, says the Lord. There was a time in the church when holiness did become religious. And we threw that out. But as a, as a people, we always go way over to one side. And then we come back to the middle. It's time to come back to the middle and understand. And so what has happened is that there's this message out there. It's called hyper grace. I don't know if you heard it, but it's like anything I do, it's okay because it's all under the blood. And I've heard people say, you know, there's a famous church up north that I love very much, Bethel Church, and it says, God is in a good mood. And I actually, and it's really, and it's true, God is in a good mood. But the people who used to come back to ch go, go to their st services, and they would come back and they'd say, oh, Pastor Kim, God is in a good mood. Well, see, you're using that differently than that pastor was using it, because that pastor has a whole theology for that. And you took that little sound bite, and now you apply it to mean that anything you do is okay with God, and that's just not true. See, God God is good and he's only good. That's why any mood he has is good. So he's in a good mood, but he may not like exactly what you're doing right now. And I think you ought to change what you're doing right now. Do you see what I'm saying? Listen, people of God, we don't have to wake. You might say to me, well, Pastor Kim, it's really easy for you. You know, you go around the world, you're a leader. Yeah, well, you know what? I was in Starbucks one day, and there was a young man in there, and I felt, I felt the Holy Spirit. I just felt like the Lord wanted to say something to him. I began to ask the Lord, what do you want to say to him, God? And the Lord simply just said, I want you to tell him that he has a call on his life. And I was like, oh, my God, that's really risky. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting in Moorpark in the Starbucks in Moorpark. In my hometown, I'm not, on a, I'm not at a conference. I'm not dressed up. I'm in my T-shirt and jeans, you know, my glasses on, no makeup. And I said to him, I said, okay, I made a deal with God. Okay, well, Lord, if he, if he gets his coffee and he comes and, and he stays in, then I will because I don't want to be running out after him, right? You know, and so what happened? He got his coffee and he came and sat right down in, this, in the seat next to me. Yeah, yeah. And so I just, I said to him, I said, you know, I said, this may sound funny to you. Listen, people of God, we don't have to be weird when we move in the power of God. We don't have to go, oh, the Lord is on me. No, that's just stupid, okay? <laughs> just be regular people. You know, I just feel like the Lord said something to me about you when you walked in. Is it okay if I tell you, would you like to hear what he had to say? And he was like, he looked at me like I was crazy, of course, you know. You have to be able to take a risk. I said, I said he said, yeah, okay. And I said, well, I just feel like the Lord said there's a call in your life. He wanted to remind you of it. And, and then the Lord gave me a couple other things, and I said it. And he looked at me, and he said, I'm just trying to figure you out. And I said, really? He said, I'm trying to figure out what you said. And I was like, oh, no, here we go. I completely blew that one. And then he told me a story. He said he was here visiting some friends. And six years before that, he had been a youth pastor in the church. But his father had gotten ill and he had to take over the family business in another state back east. And he'd been crying out for the Lord and fasting for three weeks and saying, Lord, am I called or not because I miss ministry? This is how God wants to use you, people of God. One day, one day, some boy was bagging my groceries. <laughs> and I felt the Holy Spirit. 
I, and he said, do you need help out, ma'am? I don't need help out. Yes, sure, come help me out. <laughs> Going to get you away by yourself so I can tell you, because then if I'm wrong, I don't feel stupid in front of everybody right here. In the, listen, I'm just a girl, okay? I'm a pretty bold girl, but I'm just a girl. <laughs> and I asked him a couple of questions, and I led him to Jesus in less than five minutes. He was ready, and it was the Holy Spirit. These are the things we are called to do. These are the things we are called to do. Whoops, I have one last video for you. I thank God for being my healer. I thank God for being my deliverer. And I thank God for allowing me to meet Pastor Kim today because she confirmed the word of God that he spoke in my spirit last night that I was gonna meet someone today. I didn't know who, but I always expect when he puts something in my spirit and today it has come to pass and I needed to hear the very words she told me was a word of the Lord for me for right now. So I, I just ask God to bless her ministry and bless her and her family and what she has to continue to do for the kingdom of God. And I say yes to God today for what he has required and has called me to do for the kingdom of God. And Ruth, what's your full name? My name is Ruthie Mae Jefferson. Yeah, because Ruthie's a preacher and we're going to hear from her. And she was in the Navy and she works for the government and she's fallen on hard times and the enemy came against her and her family so hard that she was homeless and then God started to bless her and she gave her a car and a house and a new job and she's doing Uber on the weekends to make extra money and then God set up this divine an appointment. Woo! Yes, yes, today. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I'm just so Amen. happy in my spirit, and I'm yes. so thankful for God being Him. Just Amen. being God. Amen. 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 Wait, wait. That was my Uber driver. Listen, you don't have to get on a plane, have a pastoral license, and go to another country to do the stuff. You can do it right where you are right now because I'm telling you what, your mission field is your life. Your mission never stops and starts. It begins the minute you were conceived and it doesn't end until the day you were born. And I'm telling you something else, someday all of us are gonna stand before God and give an answer. And I have a word for the body. John 5, 1, 9. And after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, an Aramaic called Bethesda, which was five roots of colonnade. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had had already been there a long time to him, to, said to him, do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up when I'm, when I'm, while I'm going to other steps down before me. And Jesus said, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and he walked. John 4, 10 to 14. It's easier for me if I read from my own Bible because it just is. And so we see in the very first passage of Scripture that there was an invalid waiting to be healed, waiting to be healed. John 4, 10 to 14. 
Jesus answered her, the woman at the well, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the water, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where did you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Are you greater than our traditions? And he gave us the well and she drank from it himself and as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I give him will never be thirsty again. And the water that I give him will become in him a spring of wells, spring of water welling up into eternal life. John 7, 38 to 39. Whoever believes in me, Jesus said, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And now this, this he said about the spirit, whom those who believed in him were about to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Ezekiel 47. I'm going somewhere with this, I promise you. And then he brought me back to the door of the temple and behold, the water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east for the temple faced east and the water was flowing down from all, that's interesting, you know, east in the Bible, you know, geography in the Bible has a meaning. Do you know that east usually means uh, that, that going towards sin? So isn't it interesting, the temple faced east and the water flowed out toward the east? Something to think about. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. And he brought me out by way of the north gate and he led me around the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And he, behold, the water was trickling out, uh, going on the eastward with a measuring line in his hand. The man measured a thousand cubits and then he led me through the water and it was ankle deep. And he measured a thousand and he led me through the water and it was knee deep. And again, he measured through the water and it was waist deep. And again, he measured through the and, and again, he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass through for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in and a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? And then he led me back to the bank of the river and I went back. I saw on the bank of the river, very many trees on one side and the other. And he said to me, the water flows toward the Eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, which is the dry places. And it enters the sea. And when the water flows into the sea, the, uh, the water becomes fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature every living creature that swarms will live and there will be many fish for the water goes there and the waters of the sea may become fresh so every place so everything will live where the water glow, grows goes sorry fishermen will stand beside the sea from Engedi to Englem and it will be a place for spreading of nets and its fish will be very, very many kinds and fish of the great sea and the swamps and the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh because they are left for salt that's preservation and so on the banks the banks of the river there will grow all kinds of trees for food and their leaves will not wither their fruit will not fail and they will be fresh they will bear fresh water fruit every month because the water from them flows from the sanctuary and their food will be their fruit will be for food and their leaves will be for healing the water flows from the temple. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. And don't you know that you are the temples of the Holy Spirit? And the Lord says he's come to stir the waters of the pool of Bethesda in this region, and you are the pool. My people individually and corporately, you are the pool. Many are waiting. The sick, the dying, the addicted, the demon-possessed, they're waiting. 
Just as the invalid was waiting at the edge of the sacred pool, it had become a shrine, a venerated, a venerated tradition, a legend with no power in it. And he waited for it to be stirred 38 years. No one, no one, no one in our lives that we come in contact with who have waited 38 years to be healed should have to wait a moment longer. And Jesus, the one in whom is life, the one in whom is the living water, healed the invalid. And Jesus is in us and his spirit is in us. And we now are the pools filled with living water to bring salvation, deliverance, and healing. And Ezekiel saw a temple from which the water flows. And everywhere the water went, polluted waters were healed. There was food for the hungry. There was fruit in every season. And there was healing for those who were sick and demon-possessed. Healing for the nations, every tribe, and every tongue. Because everywhere the water flows, there is life. And we now people of God are the temples from whom the waters flow. And the Lord says to you, now is the time to increase in flow. I have come to stir the waters in this region and you are the pools. You are the temples from whom the waters of life will flow. And everywhere you go, the waters in you will bring healing and fruit in life to every person and every place that you come in contact with. And it's time to go. The last time I spoke in this church, it was called by a different name. And I received a call to ministry. And now the second time I speak in this church, it has come into a new place and a new season. And I'm not receiving a new call. I'm giving you a call. And it doesn't matter how young or old you are. It doesn't matter your gender, your ethnicity, your educational or financial status. It doesn't matter what you do for your work to earn your money to put food on your table at this time. You are called to the work of the Lord and you are called to expand the kingdom of God every place you already are. And there are some of you in this room who are gonna receive a call for something more than that. Vocational ministry. Harold, when I saw your name come up on my, on my email, I immediately knew, I saw the words over your head, the SEND. The SEND is a huge, huge conference that's happening in Brazil in October. And it's targeting the college age people and the youth for, for them to be stirred up to go out as a new missionary movement for signs and wonders and miracles. And I believe that you are one of them. And I believe that you have a gift for leadership and that you are to lead others in your generation to do signs and wonders and miracles. And I believe that you are called to the nations and I believe that you will set your foot in many other nations. I also believe that you have a gift to preach and to teach. And so I feel like God wants you to know that if you need an education, he's going to provide for it. But it's time for you to get equipped and get ready to go because I saw the send written over your head. So I want to minister to you right now. It's time to answer the call because you are the pool. And first I felt like the Lord said that there were people here who once had passion to fulfill a call, a dream, but you can't find your passion anymore. It got lost somewhere along the way. And I understand how that happens. I was a part of the church and I've been part of other churches when there's been a fall in the leadership. And the dreams and the visions that are part of that church are crushed and, 
and the life gets sucked out. And then you resign yourself to something less and you settle for less because you're hurt and you're wounded and you're not sure if you can muster up the energy to believe again and you become despondent in that place. But I'm telling you that I'm telling you, which means I am prophesying over you right now that it is a new time and the gifts and the call of the Lord are irrevocable and they are still waiting for you to pick them back up and run with them. And if that's you, I'm gonna ask you right now that you would dare and stand before the Lord because I wanna pray for you right now. You have been wounded or disappointed in a church. You've been wounded or disappointed in your life and it's crushed you and sucked the life out of you when it comes to fulfilling a call. We are the pool with somebody around and would you just lay your hands on them? I'm gonna pray. But I have a word for you first. So if you'd all bow your heads, close your eyes so you can just listen to those who, have, are, who stood. The Lord says, once you were grand, once you were confident, once you were filled with hope and vision, and the enemy came to break you and to kill, still and destroy your dreams and visions. But the gifts and call are irrevocable. And if you will dare to hope again, dare to open your heart and allow me to stir the waters in you, I surely will restore to you all that the enemy has stolen. And I have sent you back to remember who you are and what you have been given and what you, ha- what you are called to. So now arise and go, and I will be with you to bear witness in signs and wonders and miracles. So Father, right now, Holy Spirit, come. Those of you who stood for this call, I'm asking you to pray after me right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I come out of agreement with a spirit of disappointment, resignation, and any other thing that has given the enemy opportunity to still kill and destroy my vision and my dreams and has immobilized me and erected a wall in my life that has prevented me from receiving a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit and keeps me from being the pool. Now I just wanna pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, I just release a fresh touch of the Lord, a fresh impartation, just a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Just fill him come, just fill him come. It's nothing magic here, but it is supernatural. So I bless you with your gifts and the call that is on your life, and I call you back into them, and I tell you that God is commissioning you afresh right now. Come, Holy Spirit, now heal and refresh in Jesus' name. Now for the rest of the church, if you are willing to be stirred, I want you to stand and I want you to hold your hands out in front of you. Supresa, who is a who is a man of God from uh, Africa, who uh, who's uh, was caught in the military one of the military coups, and they killed his whole family in the middle of the night. He was a young boy. The uh, the Holy Spirit whispered to him, said, "Get up right now and run from your hut." And he ran from his hut just at the time when men were running into his village, and the entire village was wiped out, and he was left alone. And God called him and uses him all over the world in signs, wonders, and major miracles. And he said this. 
The Holy Spirit is like a great mighty river and you don't tell the river where to go. You jump in and you go where he takes you. So I'm telling you right now, you are standing to be stirred by the Holy Spirit and you're saying yes to God, that I'm gonna fulfill my call, that I am the pool and I'm allowing you to stir me. That means you're jumping in and you're gonna allow him take you wherever you want. Cause see, you don't get to control this thing. I just wanna tell you up front. I just wanna, I just wanna give you the, the uh, warning up front. He might take you across the street, but he might take you around the world and it will be glorious. So if you're willing, put your hands out in front of you like you're going to receive a gift. Holy Spirit, come right now in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask right now that you would stir the waters of their lives, that you would stir up every gift. You said, Lord God, that we, um, by the laying on of hands, the gifts are stirred, Lord God, so we're just releasing right now a fresh stirring of the gift of the Lord, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit. Would you fill them up now, Lord God? Would you give them something fresh and new, Lord God? Would you seal this word in their conscience, God? Would they go to bed thinking I'm called and get up thinking I'm called, and when they walk in the highways and the byways and they go to work and they go to school, Lord God. They walk down their street. They take a little walk with the dog. Lord God, whatever it is that they're doing, Lord God, when they meet their family for dinner, Lord Jesus, would they say, have this thought that I'm called and I'm the pool. I'm the pool. Would you say that with me? I'm the pool. You're the pool. You're the pool. Now, would you lay your hand on your neighbor next to you? This is your part because you're the pool. And I want you to begin to pray for the person on your left and your right. And Pastor John, I'm done. You can, if I mean, I'm done after this. Pray, pray for the person on your left and your right. I gave you a testimony this morning about my marriage and about healing and deliverance from drug addiction. I also gave you a testimony about how I got called. And I also gave you several testimonies about people getting miraculously healed. So why don't you begin to pray for the person on your right and your left. Pray for their marriage. Pray for their bodies. Pray for everyone in their family. That God, if there is Father God in the name of Jesus, we just pray for each other. Go ahead, pray. I want to hear your voices. We need to not be shy anymore. We're the pool. You're the pool. Father, we pray for them right now in Jesus' name. Heal their marriages, Lord God. Restore their marriages. Make them strong, Lord God. Twofold, a threefold cord that cannot be broken, God. We ask that you bless their marriage, Lord Jesus, with a new romance, Lord Jesus. That you would bless them with a kind of marriage, Lord Jesus, where they walk together, shoulder to shoulder, advancing the kingdom of God. Where they, Father, support one another in their gift and their call. And they're always speaking well of one another, Lord God. That they would be each other's greatest cheerleaders, Lord God. Just support each other as they walk through this time and that nothing, nothing would hurt them. And we say right now in Jesus' name that no weapon formed against them shall prosper and every tongue that would rise up, Lord God, against them, Lord God, would be put to shame for that's our inheritance in the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray for their bodies right now. Lord God, if they have an addiction, we cast it out. We take authority over it. We bind its power. We break it in the name of Jesus and we tell it to leave right now. And Father, we are asking that they would see a difference today, 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 not tomorrow, today in Jesus' name. And then we're asking, Lord God, that you would heal their body. Cancer, go. Heart disease, go. Diabetes, go. All pain, go in Jesus' name. If you have something wrong with your knee or your elbow, I'm just calling it to healing right now in Jesus' mighty name. Bless you.